Good morning. On this Thursday morning, we want to want to we want to welcome you to our devotional Golden Nuggets, food for thought and for the imagination. We have been studying the Feast of Pentecost or the Feast of Weeks, as it is known in the Old Testament and Feast of Pentecost in the New Testament, and we've mentioned several things of why this feast was so important, prophetically. Agriculturally, it was a feast that was celebrated by the nation of Israel. All the males were required to attend it. Now, to get an idea of this feast, just as how big and how involved it was, when you read the book of Acts in chapter 2, beginning with verse 1, when the Holy Spirit came down and uh, those 120 that were in that upper room received the Holy Spirit into their lives as the power and as the person that was described by Jesus and I will send another comforter. He is the one that was going to endue them. He was going to enable them to be able to be the individuals that both planted, sowed, and harvested, and watered the harvest for Jesus. And, and and we have to remember that that harvest belonged to Jesus. He is the Lord of the harvest. And we mentioned that uh, the Feast of First Fruits versus the Feast of Pentecost, which is the latter First Fruits, are involved in presenting to God the very first part of that harvest. Uh, sheaves, the equivalent of an omer, that was presented and waved before God. It was a time of celebration. It was a time of rejoicing. So all the males of the nation of Israel were required to attend. But then you had people that were proselytes, that were not necessarily Jews themselves. They belonged to other nations and they had converted or had become part of the religious system that Israel had. So that's why you find in the book of Acts, in chapter 2, all these people from different places, all at one time involved. And when they hear Peter get up and start preaching, you know, they assume that all these individuals are drunk. But they were not drunk while they, the people from the other cities and the, uh, the different uh, individuals from the nation of Israel, from the different tribes, all the males, that had come and attended the feast while the celebration was going on and the priests were presenting their first fruits or the latter fruits in this case. These other 120, they're in the upper room. There is another celebration that is going on in there. And that is when God now had vessels to indwell. Vessels that had been made righteous by the work of Jesus on Calvary through faith, vessels that had been prepared that were dead because of sin, but now quickened by the Holy Spirit to be able to be vessels that are meet for the Master's hand to bring honor and glory to himself. At that time, <clears throat> these individuals were receiving the very person of the Holy Spirit to indwell them. He was going to be their guide, their comforter, their teacher. He was going to be their advocate. 
He was going to be the one that was literally going to direct their lives in every facet and every fashion so that literally by the time we get to the book of Acts in chapter 17, uh, where they declare, hey, these men that literally turned the world upside down have now come to our city and our place. So there is an importance in understanding this event. It was not just the day of Pentecost, but it was a prophetic event in which Joel himself had prophesied. And Peter gets up and he simply picks up where Joel left off and repeats the same thing. This is that which was spoken. This that you're seeing right now is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And of course, he goes on to describe all the events and everything. But all of this is associated not only with the agricultural harvest for the nation of Israel, but it's associated with the harvest of God bringing in as many souls into the kingdom through the process of the work of the Holy Spirit using man, redeemed man, blood-washed man, men that walk in faith and men that walk in the Spirit. So that's what we're looking at when we're looking at this feast. Of course, when we get to the names, as I've been mentioning, we'll eventually get to all the different names. We'll describe the, the significance, the meaning, and the purpose behind this. So let's look at the parable where we left off the other day. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 24, Another parable put forth he unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man that sowed seed in his field. Emphasis, his field. And of course, you know, Jesus was not only God, but he was 100% man. And it says, while men slept, his enemy, so Jesus has an enemy, we as Christian believers have an enemy, came and he sowed tares among the wheat and went his ways. And you have to remember that the tares are going to grow up and look identical to the wheat when it's growing. But it's at the end when it's time to harvest it. It's time to separate and pick up that fruit into the barn that you can begin to distinguish that which is a tear and that which is wheat. And this is important because this identifies to us the work that God will do by his spirit as the age draws to an end. In other words, as we come to the end of days, it's going to become more evident those which are the tares, those which are the seed that the enemy has sown amongst the church, amongst the believers, amongst the world. And when we talk about the world, we're not just necessarily talking about the planet, but we're talking about the cosmos, all the social systems, political system, economical systems, all the learning, teaching, philosophical... All of these systems that exist today are of this cosmos, are of this world. And the enemy is the prince and the power of the air. He is the one 
that is running the cosmos, but not the planet. The planet belongs to the Lord. This planet, this physical earth is the Lord. It always has been. It always will be. All the gold, all the silver, and all the cattle of a thousand hills, they all belong to him. Therefore, the enemy has influenced the individuals on this planet, and especially the religious individuals that begin to grow amongst and with the wheat. We have to find out and be able to pay attention to what the Spirit of God is saying in these last days as the rapture draws near, and we say draws near because it could be by the time I finish this message. It could be during the time of this message. It could be tomorrow morning. It could be tomorrow afternoon. We do not know. But Jesus is coming for his church. And of course, that in itself is another whole topic. But we must be ready at all times. We must pray. We must watch. And we must be actively involved in the work. We must pray and watch, asking the Lord to send labors into the harvest. We must watch so that we're not caught off guard. And we must continue to do the work until he comes. You don't take a week off, a month off. You don't take a year off. You don't take any type of sabbatical from God and from his work. It is a job, or I'm going to call it a calling, that is up until he either comes for us or we are buried like wheat right into the ground, waiting for the resurrection of the righteous dead. And it says in verse 26 of chapter 13, But when the blade is sprung up and it brought forth fruit, then appeared also the tares. And it says, So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in thy field? Remember, his field. From whence then has it tares? And he said unto them, An enemy has done this. The servant said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, Nay, lest while you're gathering up the tares, you root, root up also the wheat with them. Verse 30. Let them both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, gather ye together first the tares and bind them in bundles and burn them and put and gather the wheat into my barn. Now, in this teaching in itself, we also find the judgment. We have the separating of, we have the punishing of the tares and the separation of the wheat into his barn. We find uh, from the scripture in the book of Hebrews in chapter 6, verse 1 and 2, we find that this is part of one of the fundamental doctrines of the scripture, the judgments that will take place, the different types of judgments that will take place. And of course, there is, if there is judgment, there's also going to be the wages or the rewards for those that have faithfully worked for and followed the calling of the Lord for their lives. It says in verse 36, Matthew 
1336. Then Jesus sent away the multitude and went into his house, and his disciples came unto him, saying, Declare unto us the parable of the tares of the field. Verse 37, And he answered, and he said unto them, He that soweth the good seed is the Son of Man. Verse 38, The field is the cosmos. The good seed are the children of the kingdom. The tares are the children of the wicked one. Verse 39, the enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age. Not the end of the planet, not the end of the cosmos, but the end of the Age, the word there that is used for world is age, and that's what we have been talking about God's times and God's seasons, and it includes the beginning of one age and the closing of an, another age, just like when we had mentioned concerning Noah, the flood, the ark, and the people were given 120 years before the close of that age, and all flesh was going to be wiped out. It was going to be destroyed except those that were in the ark. So it says, Therefore the enemy is sowed them, is the devil, the harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. In verse 40, As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be at the end of the age. Once again, not the world, but the age the end of the world literally is when this planet, a new planet, a new earth, a new heaven is created. That will be the end. But as far as the age is concerned, it is when God says, now gather them and that will be the end of another age. The Son of Man, verse 41, shall send forth his angels and shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and them that do iniquity, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father, who has ears to hear, let him hear. This is the calling of the Holy Spirit. Constantly Jesus made mention of this. He that has an ear to hear, let him hear. To the seven churches, he said in the book of Revelation, he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says. Why? It is important to understand that we have got to be acquainted with God's ways, with God's word, and with the person of the Holy Spirit to help us direct us and make decisions on a daily basis that will not only affect our lives, but that affect the kingdom of God at the same time. As we come to a conclusion on this, until we meet again on Friday, I pray the Lord bless you greatly. Study the scripture as much as you can. Read it and be blessed in this devotional. In Jesus' name, amen.